Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, we hear from Senior Pastor of Expression 58, Jennifer Toledo. Hi guys, good morning. Good, well it's like a later morning, so you guys are like actually awake, right? <clears throat> yeah, it's like our second service. First service is like, we're here, we're here. Second service is like, yeah, hey, what's up? Um, <clears throat> I find that similar here. Well, it is, it is good to be with you. Um, it is much colder here where you live than where I live. Um, I, you know what? I am tired of hearing that. I am sick and tired of hearing that, whoever said that. We're like, we're having a heat wave. I'm like, what are you even talking about? This is insanity. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm like a fish out of water. I don't know what to do. How do you walk on snow? How do you, how do you even drive in this? Um, I'm a mess. So, so I stand here with no socks, you know, because it's warm out. Because it's warm out. Um, well, it is an absolute pleasure to be with you guys. I had a great time connecting with your D-School students yesterday, and what an incredible, incredible community this is. And I just love the, the passion and the hunger that is here. You guys, can you give it up for your amazing pastor? This woman is incredible. You guys are so blessed to have a pastor who is so hungry and so humble and so passionate, and what a gift, what a gift. Well, um, before we jump in, I want to just tell you guys a couple things that um, I brought along, just if they're helpful for you. Um, a couple different things. One, because, you know, let's just start off real light and easy. Uh, this is a four-part part series on sex, money, and politics, because somebody, we better get something clear. You know what I mean? The church has got to stop being on the tail end of this and get God's heart and God's perspective on hard things. And I think the church has avoided hard conversations for too long, and we're seeing the fruit of it. And so um, this is really just some solid teaching on getting kingdom perspective on these things. Um, I also want to just mention, I, I was thinking about this during during worship. It just came to me, but... Um, we have a couple of our conversation nights up online. If you want to watch them, you can go to expression58.org. Uh, and we've done some conversations around the issues of racism, around the issues of abortion, and just wading into really hard topics. And I want to just challenge you with this. If you're like, I already know what I think about that, why don't you be open to possibly some new perspectives? And see if God, you know, I think that's, with these issues, we tend to be very polarizing. We tend to have our opinion and stand here, and, and it's not helping bring any kind of healing to real issues. And so part of us as being the body of Christ, we're called peacemakers, we're called salt, we're called light, um, is being willing to wade into hard conversations and really get the heart of God, not just for what's going on, but how to be a part of the solution. And so um, I would encourage you to go on, you can go online and watch those. Um, Something else I brought along, we have a, a new uh, worship album out, which I am obsessed with. Um, it's called Make Way, and this actually came out of a word of the Lord um, for our community, where God made us to speak about really writing the, just songs and what God was saying, and as we started releasing these songs um, that came out of an encounter, we sent our worship team away for a, a weekend, and they wrote 24 songs 
I mean, they were on their face in the presence of God. Like, God just showed up like crazy. And we were like, well, it was, it was like four days. And we we're like, how in the world did this happen? And came back and started singing these, and miracles began to break out in the room. People were going through deliverance. I mean, crazy things were happening as we began to sing these. And so we were like, we have to package this so and just get it to as many people as possible. So um, <clears throat> I brought that. A couple other things. Um, there's several CDs, if you know what that is. Um, if you still have one of those CD players in your car or an old school boombox, I don't even know what plays a CD anymore. But if you, if you still have something that plays CDs, we have a lot of CDs that are on clearance back there that are um, really great. This is, um, this is one of my, my favorite topics. This is called Spiritual Grit, but this is about the life of Joseph. And this is all about how, I don't know about you, but Joseph came out of a lot of dysfunction and he had a whole bunch of stuff to deal with in his life. Betrayal, injustice, hard things, and God, he found God in the middle of all of that, and because his heart was postured right, he was able to step into a massive place of influence and authority and breakthrough in his life. And so this is really about how to posture your heart through every season, no matter what's going on, and be ready to receive the upgrade that God has for you. Um, I love this. I love the story of Joseph. A um, couple other things. Some of you, I know some of your, your students are reading this. This book is called Children in the Supernatural. And um, I, I am passionate about seeing every human, I don't care if you're three or you're 103, every human encounter God for real and for themselves. And um, I want to just say this, the days of like <clears throat> sending kids off to kind of be babysat in the back with a little game and you know, a stale graham cracker while we have the real church, those days are over. And I am, I am so grateful that this is a community of people who are passionate about your kids encountering God for themselves. But this whole book is a collection of stories um, from all over the world of things God is doing with kids. And I'll tell you what, wow, we better, we better get with the program because children are planting churches. Children are fasting and praying and seeing laws in their nation change. I have watched children pray for, I mean, last stages, AIDS, full-blown, completely healed, typhoid healed, malaria healed. I mean, watching God move powerfully through children, children who are having, you know, encounters with Jesus. I mean, crazy, crazy things that are happening with kids. Um, and so I encourage you, hear these stories and be provoked to get hungry for more. Um, and then last but not least, I wanted just to mention, um, we're going to be back here at 4 o'clock today. And if you have kids, if you work with kids, if you live on a planet with kids, then I would suggest you be here. Um, we're going to talk, talk about how to really empower kids to encounter God and um, what you can do as parents, what you can do as, you know, educators or children's workers um, working with kids. But one of the things I'm going to be talking about and going through is, is this book. And this book is our, it's just honestly our, our easiest go-to manual for how to teach somebody to hear God's voice. I don't know about you. I feel like people make it way too complicated. When people were trying to teach me how to hear God, I was like, I don't know. I'm not a prophet. It's not working. Like, it's not working. I don't hear him. Ah, you know, was that me? Was that God? Was that pizza? I don't know. Like, it was very hard. And I feel like we make it way too complicated. And so my heart in this is just to make it super, super simple. Um, this was actually designed for parents to do with their kids. Um, 
teaching their kids and then together as a family hearing God every day, hearing God for yourself, hearing God for others, hearing God for direction, hearing God for inner healing, hearing God for outreach, all those kinds of things. Um, What's funny about this book is it was written for parents to do with, it's for kids, for parents to do with their kids. Um, But we have several, like there's currently a, a, um, this group of CEOs in Ecuador who all do this together. Like they're all like 60 something and you know, business guys who get together and do this book weekly because they're like, people make it too hard. We need to hear God, you know. So, um, so I would encourage you, if that would be helpful, to, to get that. Um, just a couple of stories I wanted to tell you about, I think, how simple and beautiful it is to hear God. Um, like I said, we train kids a lot how to hear God's voice. And one time working with this group of kids, um, we're at this event, and we'd had the kids kind of all over the floor, and we gave them paper and crayons, and we said, okay, ask God to give you a word for somebody, and then write it in the card. And so they're doing that, and the kids are just, you know, waiting and listening and writing in their card. And I walk by this one little boy, and he's made this card, and I look at it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it says, God loves you and your tattoos on the card. And I'm like, okay, and you open it up, and it's a picture of a man who's wearing blue jeans, a black shirt, a black bandana, and has tattoos on him. On him. And I was like, this is very specific, you know? And so, and he said, yep, that's what God showed me. I was like, okay, cool. I said, so this guy on the inside, right? Like this obvious. I said, uh, do you know who, who this is, who you're supposed to give your card to? He was, yeah, I know who I'm supposed to get my card to. So I think he knows like the person that he's gonna give the card to, right? So I'm like, oh, you saw him here? And he looks at me and goes, I saw him in the spirit. And I was like, my bad, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I was like, okay, you guys pray and ask God what group you're supposed to go in. He goes, I already did. And so he's going to the group that's going to the store. And um, so we load up all the kids. They go in their different groups. And, and he, he goes to the store, and he's looking the entire time. He has one card. And he is looking for the guy with blue jeans, black shirt, black bandana, and tattoos. And he does not find him. And our team is like, shoot. You know, they explain to him, hey, buddy, sometimes, you know, maybe it's a different time. Maybe you're going to find him later. You're doing the whole thing. <laughs> and he's like, I know what God said. God said he was going to be here. And I was like, okay, you know, here we go. And I'm like, all right. And so we're, you know, he's just praying, praying, and he's so disappointed. Now at this point, we're like, it's time to go. We've been there a full hour. And so we're like, all the kids back to the vans. Come on, come on. We're, we're, you know, rallying the kids all back to the vans. And this kid is so disappointed. And he's like, so sad. So he just walks up to some random guy in the store, and he's like, excuse me, do you have tattoos? The guy's like, no. He's like, oh, well, here's my card. And the guy says, I don't want your stupid card. <laughs> so rude. <clears throat> Whatever. Anyways, it was so, it was so good because, the, so the kid is just devastated, right? He's like walking to the van like this, like so sad. And as he walks, this kid just t- darts, takes off running. And our team's like, ah, don't get hit by a car. You know, he's just running through this parking lot. We're like, where is this kid going? Like he is just booking it. And we realize all the way across the parking lot, he sees a man in a black shirt with blue jeans and a black bandana on, I kid you not, covered in tattoos, and the kid chases him down. And the kid runs up to him, he's like, where you been? This is exactly what he tells him, which is awesome. Been waiting for you this whole time. You know, the guy's like, wait, what? And he hands him the card and he's like, here's your card from God, you almost missed it, you know? And, um, and the guy is like, what's happening, you know? And, and he opens the card and he reads it. God loves you and your tattoos. And this man, just big old burly guy, just begins to weep. 
and he is just wrecked with the love of God. And he begins, he gets on his knees, and he's eye to eye with this little boy, and he's telling the story, and he's like, you know, the rest of our team at this point, we've caught up, and he's telling the story. He said, you know, I've always felt like God wouldn't accept me. And I've always felt like I didn't belong in the church. And I have a lot of wounding. Um, it's even tied up with my tattoos. And he said, and I've just, I've always felt like, like I don't belong. And he said, and for you to chase me down and tell me that God loves me and my tattoos, he loves me just the way I am. I mean, this man, you guys, wept in the parking lot, gave his life to the Lord. It was powerful. <laughs> All because a little child dared to listen and ask God what he was saying. Isn't that incredible? Um, so we do a lot of work in Ecuador. Um, and we, we work down in this area that's very dangerous. It's like the red light district. We work a lot with prostitutes and, and pimps and all kinds of people. And we have a lot of um, rules for our team, like certain roads they can go down or not go down. And um, one night we were down there. And crazy things. God was doing crazy things. Things were happening. But my husband, who's uh, such a trooper. I don't know if you guys are into Enneagram. Anybody into Enneagram? Okay. He's a nine. So he's, like, down for the ride for anything. You know, he's, like, super chill and easy. And I'm the eight with all the ideas. So I'm like, let's go here. And he's like, okay. And um, anyway, so I, I, we just start feeling like the Lord says, go down this, this particular road. Well, this is a road that we have rules for our team, they're never to go down that road. It's incredibly dangerous. I mean, this area is already the most dangerous area in the entire city. It is, we're out at the middle of the night, you know, and we thank, thank God, which is why loving people is important. Um, we're friends down there with the pimps. We're friends with, we're friends with the drug lords. We're friends with everybody down there, um, and we like it that way. Um, so that we get a lot of favor and open door and access to do the ministry that God has us doing down there. But this one particular area is very dark. This road is very dark and super sketchy, and we never let our team go down there. But the Lord speaks, and he says, go down there. And my poor husband's like, okay. So we start walking down this road, and, um, you know, sure enough, as we get to this really isolated dark spot, uh, this whole, like, gang of guys jump out and begin to rob us. And I'm like, Jesus? Really? And my poor husband, right? Like, he's just like, thanks, babe. You know, because they're not coming for me. They're coming for him. And, and these guys are getting crazy aggressive with him, and it's getting intense. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. And literally in this moment, I'll, I'll be honest, I did not, oh, I'm feeling so prophetic. No, uh-uh. There was no, like, spirit of prophecy flowing. It was like, sweet baby Jesus, I hope you show up. Like, that was, that was what was happening in me. And I just was like, God, like, something. And I just literally blurted out the words, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> They're, like, going for weapons. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. And I don't even know what I said, but it was something about his grandma and his twin sister, and I don't know what. And I thought, I got nothing to lose at this point, right? So we might as well just, Jesus, please speak. And this guy, like, well, it's a whole crew of them, but the main guy, like, they start backing up, and he literally looks at me, he's like, are you a witch? And my husband thought that was funny. But I was like, uh, <laughs> depends on the day, but no. Um, and, and he cannot believe, right? And so I'm like, I'm going to assume maybe that landed. So we just, we just keep going for it. And we just start to prophesy and just speak the heart of God over them. Now, I don't know, 
I think a good example, is there a Kleenex box in here? <laughs> Have you guys done this? Oh, okay. You have so many Kleenex boxes. Um, so I want to tell you how, like, what hearing God is like. This is way too generous. Okay. It's like this. It's like, I don't know, Grandma. I see so, something with your grandma. I don't, I don't really know. It's like not enough of a word to give to somebody. But here's, at least this is how it is for me. When you're faithful with a tiny little thing you hear from God, and you're like, uh, something about your grandma, oh, and your twin sister, and oh, they've been praying for you to get saved, oh, and all of a sudden, when you step out with the tiny thing God gives you, you just begin to get more and more and more and more and more. And so it takes, it takes faith with a tiny little thing you're seeing. And so with this experience, we just begin to just step out and giving these, these guys words. And pretty soon, half of them are like, yeah, this is going nowhere. So they walk away. The other, you know, half that are there, we end up, I mean, BFFs. I'm not even kidding. We went to dinner. We spent two hours together. One of them got their knee healed. We became the best of buds. They were literally laughing at the night. I can't believe we robbed. They get saved. And now we're having dinner and, like, literally besties. I mean... Pretty amazing, you guys. We need to be hearing God more in our lives, for sure. I'm going to tell you one more story. Is that okay? Um, this just is, is recent. This just happened. We are so excited about this. Um, so one of the things um, this year that's been really, really hard in our community is um, some of our very, very best friends, their son, they're on staff with us. Their son, um, Caleb, who's 10 years old, um, from Uganda, he... Um, was diagnosed with bone cancer. And um, stage four, 27% chance of survival. They said he must have his, his leg amputated, um, have extensive chemotherapy, 18 rounds of the most intensive chemotherapy. If he survives it, he has a 27% chance to live. I mean, this, is, this was the prognosis that our, our family was given this year. And it was, we were like, no. No, the call of God is all over Caleb's life. We are not gonna, we're gonna see cancer fall. And so we just began to just pray and go after it. And, and our children were, you know, in our community, we're just praying and asking God for words. And so many incredible things were happening, um, different things. My, my boys were at a sleepover with some other kids from the church and they saw, they're praying for Caleb. They saw angels come in the room. They talked about it for like a week. I mean, they were just like, this was crazy. Um, and so, what happens is this one little boy in our community, Ty, he's 10 years old as well, and um, his mom was taking him and his sisters through this book, and they were talking about how to hear God's voice, and they were practicing together as a family, and so it became more normal. This was newer for them. They were newer to our community, so they were like, okay, let's do this, and they're on this journey hearing God together, and uh, one night, Ty goes to bed, and he prays, and he says, Jesus, what are you doing with Caleb, and how can I help you? And he falls asleep, and he has a dream. And in his dream, he sees Jesus standing in Caleb's hospital room. And Jesus looks at him and says, Ty, do you want to help me? And he was like, yeah, Jesus. So he comes and stands next to Jesus in the dream. And Jesus does a couple things. One, Jesus opens up his leg where the tumor is, takes the tumor out, and puts bread and wine in his leg, and then closes it back up. And then Jesus says, I have one more thing I need to do, Kayla, or uh, Ty. 
And he says, you know, stay here. And he cuts Caleb open and begins to um, work on his lungs. Now, nobody, nobody knew except for us as their pastors and their close friends that the cancer had spread significantly to his lungs. They didn't want anybody to know. They didn't even want Caleb to know. But they had just done a scan. They had just found all this cancer in his lungs. So in the dream, Ty, who doesn't know, says Jesus was working on Caleb's lungs. And Jesus took Caleb's lungs, and he said it was almost like he was sweeping them and sweeping the cancer out. And Jesus was explaining to Ty, I have to sweep all this out. He said it looked like sand in his lungs. So this is what Ty, you know, and then is seeing. He goes, and then same thing, he goes, I saw Jesus take wine and bread and shove it in his lungs and close them back up. So he wakes up, he tells his parents what's happened. They voice record him explaining his encounter with Jesus. They send it to our friends. And what they don't know is um, Caleb, two days later, was going in for lung surgery. And they were going to try to remove the nodules in his lungs. And uh, so they get this message and it just provokes faith in them. And, and Ty's like, I, I didn't even know something's wrong with his lungs, but Jesus already healed him. Jesus already did it. There's, there's wine and bread in there now. He's good. <laughs> right? <clears throat> so they, he goes in for surgery. And the doctor, the specialist, Children's Hospital LA, the doctor comes out. And um, he says, you know, he says, I, I've done hundreds of these before. I don't know what to say. I'm absolutely dumbfounded right now. He said, we cut him open and, or first, before he goes into surgery, hold on, before he goes into surgery, he tells the parents, just so you know, when cancer is in the lungs, it's like sand. That's what he tells them. And we have to almost like sweep out these grains of sand from his lungs. What? Who would have known that? And so he's saying, we're going to go in and we're going to feel with our bare hands every bit of his lung to get all, the, all of these kind of grains of sand, if you will, the cancer out. And he comes out two hours later, which was supposed to be a very long surgery, and he says, I don't know what to tell you. He says, we've been back there, all of us taking turns. And he goes, there's absolutely no cancer in his lungs. You guys, he'd had a scan two days before showing all the cancer in his lungs. There's absolutely no cancer in his lungs. We're like, come on, Jesus, right? Amazing. And then after this, you know, same time, the... A doctor comes up who every doctor was saying absolute must amputate the leg. And a doctor says, you know what? I, have a, I had a download, a strategy. I can save his leg. And they did. They were able to remove the tumor and totally save his leg. Just this week, yeah. Just this week before coming here, um, Caleb finished his 18th and final round of chemotherapy and has been, is completely cancer-free. Come on. It is imperative that we get good at hearing God's voice. Amen? All right. Well, I took way too long doing that. So let's jump into the Word. Um, we're we're going to get into the Word this morning. I want to start by saying this. I, I really believe that there are, I don't know how to explain this other than we are in a very unique time in history. And it feels like there is a window of opportunity that is open to take big God risks. 
listen to me, church, 2020 is not about playing it safe. This is a year where God is inviting us to take big God risks. This is a year to take a leap of faith. This is a year to believe God for the impossible. You are stepping into a decade where I'm telling you, you can choose. Are you going to be the one who watches everybody else do the the miraculous and the impossible, or are you going to be one of the ones walking on the water with them? And I know where I want to be in this, but I'm telling you, it's like there's a window of time, and when when you take a risk in those kairos ordained moments of time, the impact will literally, you know, impact for generations to come. This is the moment we're in. This is a season of wild risk-taking. This is a season of the impossible beginning to happen in front of you. This is a season where we're going to see cancer fall, right? This is a season where we're going to begin to see things that people say, this is too hard, this is too much. We're going to begin to see God just do wild things. And I'm telling you, your faith and your partnership with heaven in this is imperative. So this morning as I was praying for you, I felt like I was to talk and share um, a message about how to face an impossibility. How many of you in here would say you're facing an impossibility in your life right now? To raise your hand, okay. How many of you aren't facing an impossibility but would like to be facing an impossibility because you're like, I need to dream bigger and I need to, I need to go after something with God? Okay, all right. So I wanna talk about how to face an impossibility like a pro versus a rookie. And uh, I think that this is a time that we become really excellent in facing things that people say, oh, that can't be done. Oh, statistics say. Oh, the doctor report says. Oh, the bank account says. Oh, we've got to be a people who don't say, oh, okay, and turn around and walk off. God is looking for a people who have a spiritual backbone who will stand and say, I know who my God is. And it doesn't matter what this says or what's happening. I know what he says and I know what he's doing. And I am not budging until I see that manifested in front of me. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to be in 1 Kings 18, if you have your Bibles. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then jump down to verse 41. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Verse 41, and Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Verse 45, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. You guys, the Bible's crazy, first of all. Let's just start with that. And it's real. Let's also start with that. This isn't just a made-up story. This is an accurate, historical, you know, narrative of what happened. Let me give you a little context here. This is a story of a nation that's coming out of drought. And Elijah had prophesied that there would be no rain. And God was really dealing with some things that were out of order with his people. 
And so he was letting them go through this, this hard season. And I want to say this, because I think sometimes as Christians, um, we assume that because we're a Christian, we're not going to have hard times. Well, you know, that's not right. That's not true. And I'm sorry if somebody actually told you that lie, that life was going to be perfect once you became a Christian. Because it's just not. We live in a broken world. We live with pain and suffering. We it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Good things happen to, to good people and bad people. Bad things happen to good people and bad people. Our hope is that we have an eternity, right, where all things are made new. Our hope is that, that God will restore and redeem. But I want to say this because sometimes God will even allow us to walk through dry seasons, a drought. And it's not necessarily punishment. It's not any of that. It's just some, some lessons can only be learned in a drought. Certain character can only be, be developed in resistance and in drought. And so how we steward our heart in times where we don't feel like God is close, we don't feel like he's... You know, we can hear him well or it just feels kind of hard. How you steward your heart in those seasons is very important. Because many times, hear me, many times, the greatest strategy will come in those hard seasons if you choose not to fall into self-pity. The greatest breakthrough, the greatest strategy, the greatest, the greatest moments Life-changing moments will come in those seasons if you steward your heart well in them. So Elijah's in a hard, in a hard time. Um, so how do, you, how do you, you know, contend and believe for an impossibility in your life? And um, as the story starts here, we find Elijah, right? He's just been through this three years. It's really miserable. Life is tough. Jezebel wants to kill him. He is in hiding. He is only being kept alive because um, birds are feeding him. Ravens, in fact, are feeding him um, bread and meat. You know what's interesting? Ravens in this culture are considered a totally disgusting, dirty animal, culturally. Isn't that funny? How God's like, how about my provision comes through something you think is dirty? Listen. Mm. Somebody somebody needs to quit cursing and not believing in a certain way that God is trying to provide for you because you don't like it. No, don't provide for me through that job. No, don't provide for me through my parents. Ew, no, uh-uh, right? We, we put these boundaries up of how we want God to provide for us. Listen, it might feel like a dirty, you know, raven to you, but it might be the hand of God for your life. So just, that was for free. Okay, um, so we have Elijah in this place, right? And he's, he's tired, he's weary, he's dry, it's desolate, he's hiding, he's like eating off what the dirty birds are bringing him. And it gets so bad he has to go beg from a widow. I mean, it's just going from bad to worse. It is going from bad to worse. It has been survival season, you know. It's just, it's been hard. And um, it says that after a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah some of you might feel like that. Maybe it feels like it's been a long time since the, you've heard God speak. And God says, go and present yourself to King Ahab and I'll send rain. Cool, cool, God. Go and present myself to my worst enemy. Great. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I am parched. 
and now you want me to go stand in front of my worst enemy. King Ahab is literally the worst. Like he, of all the kings, he's like so offended God. He's married to Jezebel. It is like bad news, right? And God's like, go and tell him it's about to rain. Um, this is a hard moment, right? Now, I don't know about you, if this has ever happened to any of you, this has certainly happened to me. You get a prophetic word from God, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, it's going to happen. And you're like, don't realize, like Elijah, he gets this word, but before it happens, he has to like call down fire on the mountain and slay a bunch of Baal's prophets and do all this hard stuff before the word happens. Anybody ever feel like that? Yes? Okay. You're like, I got a word. I didn't realize that to get from here to here, I had to go there and then finally get there, right? So this is, this is Elijah's experience as well. And um, so he, he you know, takes him a minute, but he, he makes it to Ahab, and he, he begins to give the word. But pro move number one, if you're taking notes, pro move number one, listen and obey even when life is hard. Just because you're in a drought does not mean you should check out. Just because it doesn't feel like God is moving, just because it's a hard season, doesn't mean that it's time to spiritually check out. Keep listening and obeying even when it's dry. Do not give space for self-pity. Do not get, give space for whining or disobedient. You see, a rookie says, how do I even know God's good? Life's hard. That must mean God's not good. Or God, I, I'm too scared to confront my enemy. That's too hard. What you're asking me is too hard. See, a rookie would say that. But Elijah responds like a pro. And he doesn't let what's happening around him change what's, who he is on the inside. Here's the thing, church. We have to get powerful at not being victims to everything happening around us. Listen, just because your kid's losing their mind and your spouse is in a bad mood does not mean that you cannot be in control of your own peace. I was fine until you came in, right? Ooh, that's a lot of power you're giving somebody. I was having a great day until your whole mess just vomited all over this place. That's too much power to somebody. God has given us Power, love, and self-control. And we have got to stop being victims to everything around us, the economy, people's moods, all of it. Your teenager, somebody, I got a 14-year-old. I know, I know. Woo! Listen, we've got to learn to, to say, you can't have my peace. You can't have my joy. I'm in control of me. I'm a powerful person. So no matter what is going on around me, no matter what kind of storm, no matter what kind of drought, I'm going to stay in control of myself. It's, it is too painful of a life to constantly be a victim to everybody and everything around you. And Elijah, he responds like a pro. He's willing to lean in to listen and obey God when it's just life is hard. He puts himself in a vulnerable and a risky place. So Elijah goes to Ahab and he says, go and eat and drink for the sound, there's a sound of a heavy rain. Guys, this is, this takes a lot of guts right here. 
We read the story from such a sterile place, like we're sitting here in our comfortable chairs, like reading the story. Can you imagine? I mean, he goes and he says something that sounds insane. It is a crazy drought. It is bone dry. There is no sound of rain. What is he even talking about? He stands up and he says, I hear the sound of rain. He doesn't write it in his prayer journal, guys. He is saying it out loud to the most powerful man in his world. This is a lot of commitment, right? And uh, which comes to pro move number two. Listen and declare what heaven is saying. Can you hear from another realm? What's he saying? I hear the sound of a heavy rain. Do you only see what you see in front of you or can you hear what heaven is saying about it? Do you only see the bank account? Do you only see the doctor's report? Do you only see the statistics and the economy and, and what people say can and can't be done? Or do you hear from another realm? Can you hear what heaven is saying over your family, over your marriage, over Fargo, over the industry you work in? Can you hear what heaven is saying? You see, a rookie might be able to hear it, but they're certainly not going to say it out loud. They're not going to line up their words with it because that's too risky. A pro is willing to look like a fool. A pro is willing to put themselves in a vulnerable position by coming into alignment with what God is saying. You know how the word of God is not empty? When the word of God goes forth, things happen, right? It's not just sounds. It's not just vibrations. When the word of God goes forth, it is living, it is active. It literally creates things to happen. So when God speaks, let there be light. His words create the power to make light happen. So when you line your mouth up with what God is saying, from your mouth begins to flow not just words, but the power to actually make that begin to happen. We have got to learn to line up our mouth with what God is saying, which is why you need to hear him. So that when you line up, you too become a co-creator with him. You step into your, wherever you work, your, your industry, and you say, let there be light. And you begin to speak and things begin to change. You guys, this is not magic. This is not pretend. This is not in theory. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this works. This is the kingdom of God. Christ in you. Powerful. Listen and declare what heaven is saying. Um, pro move number three. So after Elijah tells Ahab, there's a sound of a coming rain. Ahab goes off to eat, and Elijah does something very important. It says he climbs up the mountain, and then he got, gets low on his face. Pro, pro move number three is climb up and get low. Climb up and get low. How do you face an impossibility? You need to climb up. You need to get up above what everybody else is saying, the naysayers, the negative, the natural circumstances, the it can't be done, that's not probable, that's not feasible. You need to get a higher perspective. You need to make a choice to rise up above the natural, above the human perspective, above all the stuff you're seeing in the natural, and you need to call your spirit up higher, get to a higher place, a higher perspective with God, and then you need to get low. 
because it's not about you. It's not about you. Elijah doesn't for a moment think, I mean, of course God's going to use me to send the rain. I'm so cute. Like, he knows it's not about him. It's because I'm so anointed. It's because I have a really great work ethic. God, of course, is going to use me. He understands this is all God. This is all God. This isn't me. But Elijah does something really powerful. Because what a rookie does, I think many times, is, oh, God says he's going to do this thing. I'm going to get some popcorn and sit here and just hang out and watch and wait for it to happen. Cool. It's like such a rookie move. Oh, I totally believe he's going to do it. Totally. I'm just going to be here living my life until he does it. I believe it. That's a rookie move. You see, a pro knows that your partnership is vital to this thing happening. A pro understands that God wants to partner with you, which means your behavior is, is necessary to line up with what God wants to do. So what I love what Elijah does is he's like, okay, God says he's going to do it. I better pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to posture myself to partner with God. I'm going to stand in expectation. I'm going to climb this mountain. I'm going to look for, I'm going to look for rain. I'm going to wait. I'm going to pray. He is active. He is actively participating in this. Are you actively participating in the things God is asking you to believe for? Or are you just wishfully, hopefully waiting for them to lap and, you know, land in your lap? And so I love this. He climbs up and he gets low. Pro move number four, start looking for signs of breakthrough. Elijah commands his servant to go and look towards the sea, right, to start looking, to start expecting any little signs of change. Posture yourself to start looking for the blessings. I, I love this. I think it is so important because some of us, we, we actually expect the worst, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're waiting for the bad news. What if we postured our heart to say, I am actually expecting and waiting for God to move. What's he doing? What's he doing in my family? What's he doing in my community? What's he doing? Where, where is he working? And you start, you know, where's the wind? Like, you just start. You just start going after it. You start getting hungry for it. You start expecting it. You start looking, intensely looking. Where is he going to move? Where is he going to move? What's he doing? I'm ready. He's going to do something. I know it. What's he going to do? Something's going to shift. And it's this posture of expectation where you start looking for signs of breakthrough. And, um, and you start looking for any tiny little thing, right, to be grateful for. And then pro move number five. Don't give up even when it seems like nothing is happening. I think this is the stage I watch people miss it so many times. This is really the there's nothing stage. Elijah's servant comes back, there's nothing. Go again, there's nothing. Oh my God, go again, there's still nothing. Six times the door slams in his face. Six times it's nope, denied. Six times I see nothing, nothing's happening, nothing's moving. Here's the rookie move. Rookie move in this situation says, you know what, I tried. I believed God, I put myself out there. I took a risk, I lined up, I, I declared it, I had faith, I got high and I got low, I did all the things, and God just didn't show up. I tried three times, four times, 
you know what? I must have missed it. Maybe, maybe God's just good like that for other people, but not for me. I better go get myself a new dream. And you walk off the mountain that God was about to give you. I watch this over and over and over again. We have this saying in our church, last one standing wins. I don't know if it's theologically correct, but I'm telling you it works. I don't know. Last one standing wins. If you don't give up, you win. If you keep staying in faith, you win. I've watched it over and over and over again. The people who get the breakthrough are the people who just refuse to get off the mountain. Do you hear me? It's not easy. It's not comfortable. But I'm trying to give you real practical tools that you're going to need if you're really going to see mountains move in this region. We are going to need this kind of grit, this kind of endurance, this kind of mature faith to withstand six times being told, no, nothing's changing, the cancer's still there, this thing's still whatever. Six times in a row being told the same thing. Can you continue to stand when it feels like nothing is happening? You see, mature faith has to learn to withstand the invisible phase. And the reality is, before you even see a cloud, right, there's a whole process that happens that you do not see with your natural eyes. Um, unless you happen to be in fifth grade in science recently, you probably don't remember how clouds are made, um, as I didn't, so thank you, Google. Um, warm air starts to rise, right? It starts to expand and cool, and then there's little teeny tiny water droplets that begin to condense. And then when billions of these tiny little water droplets come together, they begin to take the shape of a visible cloud. Hear me. Every time Elijah's servant went and looked and said, there's nothing, just because he couldn't see anything with his natural eye does not mean something wasn't happening. Water was rising. It was spreading. Droplets were forming. Condensation was beginning. There was a whole process of things that were shifting in the atmosphere that he could not see with his natural eye. Listen, do not, do not walk off your mountain just because that God has called you to just because you're not seeing something with your natural eye yet. There are things taking place in the spirit. Our eyes can deceive us, I'm telling you. Pro move number six, celebrate the little things. Verse 44 says, the seventh time the servants reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So dramatic. <laughs> right? This is like very out of proportion response to there's a teeny tiny micro cloud maybe. It's gonna rain, go! You know, like, I mean, this is, wow. That was a very, you know, celebratory uh, response there. Um, I call this the insignificant phase, and this happens so often in this pursuit of faith. There are moments where you begin to get a sliver of a breakthrough. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But it's nowhere near what you need. I mean, you know, like, you're like, I got like $100, but I need like a million. You know, you're like, uh, it's great. It just feels so insignificant compared to what you need. Most of us are focusing on the million dollars we need I wonder, I wonder, 
if how we respond to the cloud that's the size of a man's fist determines if we get rain or not. I wonder if how we respond to the tiny little insignificant breakthroughs we see happening determines if we're going to see a full rain or not. My challenge to you and the pro move I believe here is when you begin to see tiny little things God is doing, begin to celebrate it, get behind it, throw your weight behind it. I mean, let it stir faith in you. It does not take faith to think that something is significant when it's actually significant. Do you hear me? We want to wait till it's fully raining on us before we're like, I think it's raining. That doesn't take any faith. It takes no faith to do that. To begin to celebrate the little things you see. I think there's a shift happening. I think there's a, a bit of a, I don't know, I see a little bit of a hunger happening in this place. Or whatever. You just begin to focus on that. Thank God for that. Celebrate that. God's doing something. You just begin to, and this isn't hype. I hate hype. This isn't like name it and claim it. This isn't like I hope. This is like truly being somebody who's looking to see what your father's doing and having a grateful heart and continuing to believe for more, okay? And so celebrate the little things. Um, so his, you know, his, his response is just kind of crazy. He's like, let's go. You know, it's, it's going to rain. And uh, verse 45 says, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Time out. This happened after he said, it's going to rain. Notice. When he said it, it became it. Right? Verse 46, the power of the Lord, this is so crazy, the power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Wait, what? First of all, this is somewhere between 17 to 20 miles away, okay? And chariots during this time went about 35 miles per hour. So this homie just ran 20 miles in 40 minutes. Did you hear me? I don't know how fast y'all are running miles here in North Dakota. We are not doing this in L.A. And we eat avocados and quinoa and all kinds of great healthy things. We are not running 40 miles in, or 20 miles in 40 minutes. Did I say that right? Yeah, 20 miles in 40 minutes. I love what happens here. I love this picture because you know what? I feel like I can relate to Elijah. Elijah's tired. <laughs> He's been in it. He's like a tired mom, you know? He's like, I've been in the drought with these kids. Like, he is tired. He's been in a drought. It's been hard. He's like, he's just been in this season. He's like, I am parched. It's been hard. I drug myself here. And I love this moment. Because when the spirit of the Lord comes on Elijah, he runs faster and further than the very best of his day the best weaponry, the best strength, the best skill of his day, he outruns it. Listen to me. Listen to me. You do not need to be prettier and richer and more connected and more educated and all the things. What you need is more of the Spirit of God in your life. That is what you need. 
I'm telling you, when the spirit of, when you are filled with the spirit of God, you will outperform the very best in your field, the very best of your day. Because nothing can compare to the spirit of God. And I, lo- I love this. This gives me so much hope that in his tiredest, most drained, you know, he just season that's hard. Even then, God can fill you and, and give you supernatural energy and grace to do what others cannot do. This is very encouraging. I love this. Um, and so he, he just begins to, to run, right? And here's the moment in the story where we see Elijah make a rookie move. And thankfully, we have the ability kind of at the end of the story to be able to look back and go, okay, I can learn from both his strengths and also the moment of his weakness so that we don't do the same rookie move he did. So he's, he's running, and as he's running, he gets a message from Jezebel, and it's basically, hey, Jezebel wants to kill you, which first of all, you know, if Jezebel wanted to kill him, she should have sent a hitman, not an email, right? But whatever, she sends a messenger, Jezebel wants to kill you. Now, this is the man who just watched God bring fire on the mountain, who watched God send the rain, who just watched himself supernaturally run 20 miles in 40 minutes, and still feeling great, you know, like, This is the man who has watched God do all of these things. Why all of a sudden, why all of a sudden does he think that same God, that same powerful God is not going to come through in this one area? But isn't this like us? I don't know about you. I have faith in all these other areas, but there's like certain little areas where I'm like, you know what I'm talking about? You have faith for other people. You have faith for all these other things. But this one little trigger area in your life, you feel powerless you see, Jezebel, to me, Jezebel just represents intimidation. She's, this is just all about intimidation. It's, it's threatening. That one little area in your life where the enemy tries to creep up and tell you, oh, yeah, but remember this. You're actually a fraud. God's not going to use you. You're not a good enough Christian. You're, you're what, and he just starts to lie, tries to make you afraid. I'm going to make you pay. This is going to hurt. You do this, this is going to hurt. I mean, the enemy just tries to creep in whatever it is for you, that one little area of intimidation. And Elijah makes a rookie move. Because the pro move right here would have been like, shut up, goodbye, right? And like, continue to enjoy the rain that God has just sent. Not falling for the intimidation. But he makes a rookie move. And he lets himself, that old place of pain, that old undealt with issue in him gets triggered and he becomes insecure and he becomes intimidated by this one thing. And Elijah, who should have been enjoying the rain, actually runs beyond the rain. Maybe are some of us in this room who've actually run ourselves into a wilderness we're not even supposed to be in. Sometimes, especially if you've been in a hard season, hear my heart in this. Sometimes, not even realizing it, we actually become more at home in the drought and in the hard season that we don't even know how to handle the blessing and the favor and the breakthrough. So sometimes we sabotage it. People do it all the time. You've been very isolated and lonely and God's trying to bring some new spiritual community around you, try to you know, be there for you, and you actually end up sabotaging those relationships 
and running yourself into another wilderness that you weren't supposed to be in. And that's what happens with Elijah. And the Lord comes to him, and the Lord's like, Elijah, what are you doing? Go back. Elijah, what are you doing? And he's like, eh, the people, it's hard, Jezebel, eh. He's like whining and the whole deal. And God's like, okay, fine. Anoint somebody else. I don't think, I think that was God's plan B. I do, personally. I mean, don't hold me to it if he says different when we get to heaven. But I, I don't think, I think Elijah was the one who was supposed to watch Jezebel fall. But because he's hiding and he's run himself into a wilderness, God says, anoint somebody else, and, and Jehu does it. And Jehu, you know, I think gets to harvest what was truly meant for Elijah. And Jehu, if you know the story, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a fight. He literally shows up, he's like, throw her down, goes inside for a snack, comes outside, the dogs are eating her. The Bible's weird, guys. I don't know. I didn't write it. It's in there. You can read it. I wonder if some of the things we're so afraid of, we're so intimidated by, we're so whatever, are actually things that are just going to fall. If you just have confidence, go get a snack in Jesus and watch the Lord handle it for you. You know what I mean? And so I, I think that um, it's so important, which is pro move number seven, don't be intimidated. You were made for this. You were made for the impossible. Listen to me, fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. Fear it does not have to be your boss. Fear is a feeling. It does not have to be your boss. Fear is a liar. Fear and intimidation are going to try to sabotage your breakthrough. But you're going to be ready for it. And you're going to say, you know what? It's under the blood of Jesus. I know who I am in Christ. It's Christ in me. Christ plus me is enough. I am not going to cower to this thing anymore. I'm not going to continue to believe the lies that I'm not enough or that I'm, you know, that I, have to, I don't have to be intimidated anymore. I don't have to deal with this anymore, this torment anymore. I'm going to stand in my God-given authority. I am redeemed through Jesus. I know I'm not perfect. That's why Jesus came for me, right? And standing in that place and not cowering and walking away and saying, yeah, I, it's, I really don't deserve to be in this room. I don't deserve to be here. I, I'm not the right person. I, I, I'm not, whatever. And stop doing that and standing in our place of who's God called us to be. Um, see, the reality was that rain wasn't just for Elijah. It was for the whole nation. The reality is when you begin to step out in courage and when you begin to go after the impossible, it provokes courage in the hearts of other people around you. Your breakthrough is a doorway for somebody else's breakthrough. You're not just breaking through for yourself. You're breaking through for so many others. And I really believe that God is sending rain. And it's time for us to get ready. You know, the Lord um, was speaking to us uh, about the last couple years. And he, said, he told us that 2018 was bump, you know, volleyball terminology. 2018 was bump, 2019 was set, and 2020 was spike. And that's kind of the basic play in volleyball. But, but bump, that's the, that's the year, the, the season where you go from, de, you know, from defense to offense. It's scrappy, you gotta throw yourself around, you don't even know where it's coming, but whoo, transitioning from defense to offense. 
2019 was all about set. It was all about right alignment. It was all about being in the right position. It was, there was movement happening. You thought God was going to do something over here, and he's like, actually, I want you over here. And you're like, didn't see that coming, right? It's all about being in a right alignment. If you've ever played volleyball, if you're waiting for the ball to be set to you, there's like an anticipation. You feel something coming. There's an excitement, yet you're not moving yet. For some of you, 2019, you know that feeling. You're like, I feel something's happening. I feel like something's stirring, but I'm not moving yet. Right? And then really feel like the Lord is saying for the body of Christ, 2020, not just this year, but truly this decade we're stepping into is a season of spike. And that is all about victory. That is all about ground being gained. That is about stepping into your promised land. That is about breakthrough we sang about this morning. That is about promises fulfilled. That is about the impossible becoming possible. I'm telling you, this is the invitation. This is our invitation. You are in a season where there is an open window Whoever has ears to hear, this is your time to jump. This is your time for God. This is your time to believe for the crazy, impossible things. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you will see them. God is wildly good. He is on the throne. There are miracles and crazy things shifting all over the world. Things that people say, that is impossible. I literally, with my own eyes, seen it and said, nope, just saw it happen. The worst of the worst of the worst rebel warlords in Congo. Nope, they just got saved. The, the, the most horrific brothel owners and, and ringleaders of human trafficking saved, transformed. Now working in anti-trafficking movements. What's God doing? You know, this year as a community, I share the story of Caleb this year as a community, I felt like God spoke to us as our church saying, cancer has been like a Jezebel. That the church is too intimidated by cancer. Why? Cancer is going to fall. Cancer stands nothing at the feet of Jesus. And so we begin to line up with that truth. And this year, in 2019, we saw three of our members who were stage four cancer be completely and entirely healed. Medically cleared. Listen, I feel like so often we, we don't see the miracles and the power because we're not even asking or believing for it. We've bought, we talked about this in the D school, but you know, a, a lot of us have, in this nation have bought a version, if you will, of Christianity that's watered down. It's almost like American Christianity where we're just satisfied with a little bit of a powerless Christianity as long as we can kind of control and it's contained and it looks nice. But the God of the Bible is not containable. And you certainly cannot control him. And I'll tell you what, the God of the Bible, you cannot in any way, shape, or form separate the wild supernatural from the gospel. Absolutely everything about who your God is is supernatural. If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you believe some crazy stuff. And that's just the beginning right? This is who our God is. He is a God who does the wild. And he is reminding us and he's awakening us and he's, he's coming to slay our apathy this year and shake it off of us and provoke hunger in us again and remind us who he really is. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, burning hearts, I'm telling you, this is your year. 
You're going to see God do incredible things in your midst, but you choose if you get out of the boat or not. You choose. You choose. Well, will you stand with me as we close? Hope you guys are encouraged. We'll be back here at 4 o'clock. Let's just pray. Jesus, God, we are so grateful that you did not leave us powerless on this side of eternity. It blows my mind, God, that you would continue to partner with us and choose us, Lord. That you say that Christ in us is the hope of glory. That you call us salt. That you call us light. That you call us ambassadors of the kingdom. God, that you call us sons and daughters, citizens of heaven. That you tell us we lack nothing in the kingdom. That through faith, all things are possible. All things are possible. Lord, that you said that we would do even greater things than you did. God, I pray that the reality of your gospel would sink into our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would strip away from us, Lord, any undiluted gospel that we have ascribed to. And that you would awaken us to the reality of who you are. The reality of how powerful of a life we're invited to live in you. God, I thank you for the things that are going to shift this year and in this decade in this region. I thank you, God, that, that there is entire industries that are going to shift, Lord, and, and issues of injustice that are going to shift, and inventions that will be made, and books that will be written, and organizations that will be started, and, and songs that will be composed, Lord, and things that are going to be done, Lord, as we line up with you and release your heart, Lord, that light, light will shine from this place, that transformation will leak out of this house, Lord. Lord, I pray for an awakening of hunger. I pray, Lord, for a, that you would blow on those, those supernatural uh, places in us, God, to remind us who we are. May we not sit down, God, and, and sabotage or, or refuse to believe the invitation you're placing before us. Jesus, you didn't come just to give us a ticket to heaven. You came, Lord, to teach us what's available so that we could pull heaven to earth. God, I pray that we would get hungry to see your kingdom on this earth, Lord. Father, I thank you for this amazing community. These every family represented here, Lord, every person. Lord, I pray that you would fill their home with your presence. I pray that their ears would be open to hear your voice. Lord, I pray for a gift of faith to stir in them. I pray, Lord, for God, just for downloads and strategies to come to them. I pray for more and more, Lord, that this would be known as a place where what people say is impossible happens here. Father, I just thank you for everyone that's here, and I speak your blessings over them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.